Good evening, sports fans, and welcome to a Monday night edition of the Big D Podcast. Before I introduce tonight's special guest, please subscribe, like, comment, share the uh, Spunky Spectrum Sports YouTube page. We've got plenty of fantasy football content on the way. We've got an episode coming out on Wednesday, and uh, hopefully we've got a U.S. Open theme episode coming out next week. So, uh, Joining us from, uh, where where are you tonight? Going for two. No, what what area? What area? Oh, my, my fault. Uh, so I live in Pennsylvania. Joining us tonight is um, my friend uh, Chris, a.k.a. the Commish FF, as his Twitter handle goes. Chris, uh... <laughs> It's uh, June, you know what that means. Time for some fantasy football info discussion, right? Yeah, right on, man. It's, it's this season is creeping up real quick. Yeah, sooner or later. Uh, yeah, I think minicamp starts them all. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. So I'm excited to see some of these players out there, see what's going to be happening this season. Well, uh, speaking of exciting, um, when I heard the, the news of Julio Jones being traded to the Tennessee Titans, I want, I bet people in Nashville became excited. Yeah, I bet they were thrilled. I mean, he was down to like I feel like eight different teams, but um, it, that's a good that's a good spot for him, man. Like the, the fans in Nashville are real excited this, this week. Yeah, it's interesting. Last week I said I thought Hooley would make the most sense in Nashville because they yeah. really needed a number. A, at one or one A because Corey Davis could just blow the top off defenses and Tannehill needs wide receivers. He's not going to stretch stretch the field. He needs more playmakers. Right, he does. And with so, Davis uh, leaving, it left a big hole there for that offense. And they're in John Smith leaving. So oh, yeah. yeah, they need to do something to help Tannehill. So uh do you do you think Julio is an old 32, or do you think he would ju- he just suffered one injury plague season? Um, he's had a couple seasons with some injury. He's missed some time. Uh, he he should be kind of fresh. You would think, you know, I, you know, not playing a lot last year. Um, I think he still has some time to be uh, an efficient receiver and, and be good out there for for the Titans. Hopefully, he stays on the field. So we can see some more of that Julio magic we've seen in the past, but uh, I, I think he's got some some gas in the tank still. Uh, how will how will Julio fit in that offense? Because obviously everybody thinks it's a run heavy offense with Derrick Henry, but as Ryan Tanner shown the back half of nineteen and twenty and all of twenty twenty, he's more than capable of throwing the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I think. I think this opens up the passing game even more for Tannehill and the Titans. Um, yeah, I mean, you can stack the box on Derrick Henry. I mean, with, with Davis leaving, sure, Davis had a pretty good year last year. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, with Julio and then A.J. Brown out there, like you, you, can't put, you can't put eight guys in the box to try to stop Henry. So it's going to free up something, whether it's Henry in the running game, which he doesn't even need anymore, open space. Um, but I think he's gonna he's gonna open up the passing game is gonna be really good. I'm really I'm really interested to see how well and how efficient Tannehill is gonna be with with Julio Jones there. 
So from a fantasy standpoint, how does the Julio Jones trade affect not just Julio, but A.J. Brown as a wide receiver, Brian Tannehill as a quarterback, and maybe most importantly, Derrick Henry at tailback? How do you think the Julio trade affects all four of them, positively or negatively? It's, I think it's for fantasy perspective and, and just pure numbers alone, um, I think it hurts Julio the most as far as points. You know what I mean? He's still going to be an excellent receiver. He's going to still put up points here and there. But I think A.J. Brown is freed up even more. Derrick Henry is freed up even more. And Tannehill's going to be more efficient than we've seen in the last couple of years, which is kind of a crazy thing to think. Uh, so, yeah, I'm all in on – on, on Tennessee Titan offensive weapons this year. Here's the interesting question. For Derrick Henry, does the fact that now Tennessee's got two legitimate number ones will make Tennessee a throwing offense, or will it still mean Derrick Henry gets 20, 25, 30 touches a game? I don't think they need him to get 30 touches. I mean, he hasn't – people think – I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I remember looking at this when I started my rankings, and Derrick Henry didn't really put up crazy touches until like a year or two ago. So it's not like he's put up, you know, 1,200 carries in the last two seasons, you know. Uh, he's he spread it out in the first couple of years of his career. Um, but I, I, I think Henry's still going to get hit. I think this is still a, a run-first team which just sets up that passing game when they need to. Big shots down the field with probably Brown and Julio too, but big playability on the passing game for sure. But this is going to be a run first team. So maybe we'll see some more Darrington Evans this year, you know, give, give Henry a little bit of a break, but I, I don't, I don't, I'm not worried about Henry's production at all. Now here's an interesting question. How what could Ryan Tanner be a top seven eight quarterback fantasy wise? In, in in many weeks, I feel like he might be. He might be. Um, I still think I still think there's games possibly where they run the ball like forty times, and um, they don't have to throw it a ton. So there's gonna be games where Tannehill may not have you know twenty fantasy points. But there's going to be games where he runs for a touchdown or two. He throws for three or four touchdowns. There's going to be games where he's like a top five uh, quarterback. Um, but overall for the, the whole season, seven or eight, maybe not. It could be close. But I, I think, you know, I could say top ten. I, I think he's a, I think he's safe eight to ten at least. It's close. It's, I got to finish up these projections now. These, these news, these, these uh, things are happening. But um, he, he's going to be up there. So uh, does the Julio does the Julio trade change your view on Tennessee's chance to win the AFC South? Because I've gone back and forth whether or not it does, because Tennessee's offense was not the problem last year, but the Titans couldn't stop a wet paper bag on defense. They can't. Uh, I think I think they're more equipped now to handle a shootout. So if they got to go, you know, with the Colts. I mean, the Colts are a solid defense. The offense is going to be pretty good this year, too. But if they get into shootouts where they got to score 30, 40 points in a game, I, I think they're going to be able to do that uh, even more so this year than last year. So, I mean, I know 
basically you're, you're taking Corey Davis, putting in Julio. I think that's an upgrade for sure. Johnu Smith is gone. Um, but he wasn't that effective last year. He had kind of an off yeah. year. I mean, Anthony Ferkser emerged. That's everyone's favorite, least favorite name to say, I feel. But, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't think it hurts their chances, obviously. But I think it's going to be very interesting. I mean, they're definitely going to be uh, a contender to win that division and, and, the, and the AFC in general. How many teams would you put in front of Tennessee? I mean, obviously, you'd think the easy ones would be Kansas City, Buffalo, and Cleveland. But how many other teams do you think I – mean, could Tennessee be battling with Baltimore, Indianapolis? Uh, I really like the Chargers this year. Maybe Miami, New England. My – I mean, is Tennessee a playoff team? Yeah, I think they're a playoff team. They're, they're in the playoffs again. I know uh, Miami is probably going to be up there. I mean, yeah, you got Kansas City, Buffalo for sure. Yeah, yeah, even Cleveland now is probably still ahead of Tennessee. Um, but if you got to talk about yeah, the Colts, it's going to probably come down. I wonder if it comes down to that division winner. Um yeah, Baltimore too. Forget it. I keep forget about Baltimore. You mentioned um, it's going to be interesting to see the AFC North and the South if if two teams make the playoffs in, in those divisions. You know, with the Browns probably winning that, you can't even say the Browns are going to win it for sure. Baltimore still may come in and take down that division. Yeah, can so, never underrate a John Holbrook team. And by the way, yeah. that Lamar Jackson guys half decent. He's pretty good fantasy and NFL wise. I mean, yeah. so, you know, someone said he should have been a tight end, but I, 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 him and Tannehill are, I can't say similar, but the those offenses are very similar to me. But Lamar Jackson obviously is much better on with his feet, but Tannehill does a pretty good job too on his feet. And it, it's like Baltimore is like the Titans on like steroids as far as offense goes. Like they're a little bit more uh, run heavy with the quarterback, but. I'll take Henry over those over Dobbins and Gus Edwards all day. I, I don't know. I think J.K. Dobbins will be really good this year. Finally, have the backfield sort of to himself. Hopefully, yeah. I think um, was it a, was it Edwards injury, injury last year? And I had a, I had a buddy of mine who was mocking from. He's he's yeah. He's, he should just retire. But he had a good career. But I remember last year I had a buddy of mine just traded Dobbins away, and I said this is the week that he's going to like, he has a chance to start. This is where we're going to see Dobbins become the starter for this team, the number one running back. And sure enough, he finished up last year really strong. And I look forward to seeing him this year. He's not going to get 25 carries a game because Gus Edwards is going to be, um, he's going to get his share just as he'll probably get a few here and there, but he can, he's very efficient with the ball. So um, yeah, they, you, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with their running backs either. They got a very good running game as well. So, uh, obviously, there are two sides to every trade. So, uh, how do you think the Julio trade affects Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts? Because if you ask me, I don't think Calvin Ridley will be a top 10 receiver this year. Am I crazy? Could it be a top five? So, are you, are you concerned that all the attention is going to be on, on Calvin now? I actually gonna... think all the attention is going to be on Kyle Pitts because That's, these yeah. defenses know how good he is. Yeah, and you don't usually see a tight end come out and be that successful, which kind of keeps me hesitant. But you know, everything you read and people are saying is Pitts is not your normal tight end. He's basically a receiver, just bigger, you know, and he's he's crazy athletic. Um, 
I, I had Ridley last year. Last year I had Ridley and Julio both ranked in my top 10, and my friends called me crazy for having Ridley in the top 10, and it worked out. Um, Ridley, I think he's borderline top five for sure. Um, but there's so many good guys. So I, I still think he's top 10. I don't think this hurts him that much at all. Um, I, I'm not going to say he's going to get tons more targets. A lot of, there's a lot of vacated targets there, but um, Pitts is going to get his share more than probably what Hurst got last year. Um, I even like guys like Russell Gage, who had, I think, almost like 90 targets last year, very quietly, had mid-80s, I believe. So uh, we'll see what he can do with a bigger role as well. So um, definitely helps some other guys around Julio that will – around the Atlanta offense that's still left, you know, the Ridley's and Gages and, and Pitts of the world. How many wideouts would you take in front of Calvin or Ridley this year? Because obviously there are three or four big names I think of. Uh, New DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Cheeto, DK Metcalf. Am I leaving out anyone? Uh, I'm not huge on DK Metcalf. I'm probably still going Ridley over DK. Um Hopkins, you probably kind of have to take him first. Uh, who else did you say? Did you, did you say yeah. Adams? and Devontae Adams, yeah. I knew I'd forget somebody. Yeah. Tyreek Hill, I agree with Cheetah. I do agree Tyreek Hill probably is probably number one, number two overall. Um, Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, I don't think he's – that could be a whole other episode. But, uh, <laughs> You're but, right. but I don't know what Aaron Rodgers is doing. I, I really don't think he's coming. I, I, I'm so torn when he's going to come back. So if I was drafting right now, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of what Adams is going to be with like a Jordan Love. Uh, I'm afraid uh, if Aaron Rodgers is not in Green Bay, Jordan Love's not the quarterback. I think it's going to be Blake Borders. I think the Packers know they should crazy the Jordan Love pick. I heard somewhere, I don't know where I was listening to or what it was on, but or I read it somewhere, I don't know. Um, but they say, like, if, if he gets traded to, like, Denver, like, Drew Locke will probably be, like, the quarterback. Oh, gosh. For the, for the oh, Packers. So, gosh. that would be crazy. I mean, that, that, that would make sense. I mean, they – but unless they do love Jordan Love, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they, they like what they have there, and that's why they're willing to just let Rodgers – not show up and they're not going to, you know, expect them to play. I, I don't know. So that could be a whole nother episode, man. That, that's, that, that saga is crazy. So yeah, Adams, I don't know. I'm not guaranteed to take Adams over Ridley. Uh, I'm not, I'm not right. In, in re in dynasty. I mean, I probably go Ridley anyway, just because he's younger, but. Could it be, could it be if that, if Aaron Rodgers is there for the whole 17-game season you play, you would take Adams? Absolutely. But with a big asterisk. Yeah, a big asterisk there. Is, that, is he there 17 games? I don't think so. Or maybe. I, I, don't, I really just don't know. I really just I, – I can't even pick a side. I go back and forth all day long thinking about, is he going to be there? I'm like, yeah, he'll be there. He'll show up eventually. And then it's like – no, he, he, he's he's going to be stubborn and just sit out. He's not going to show up. So, so Aaron, I, I don't know. Ask me, like, ask me tomorrow. I'll have a different answer. But it's, so it's one of those Rod tough ones, man. So Aaron Rodgers would give up, what, umpteen million dollars and become the full-time Jeopardy host? That would be crazy. If he if he was football for Jeopardy, that's that's something. That would be, that'd, that'd be probably more shocking than Andrew Luck retiring. Oh, Brett Favre retirement 15 times. Yeah, right. Yeah, Brett Favre. 
So, yeah. so um, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, no, that Packers, that, that fan base, that organization, it's very impressive. The fact that they've had, you know, two quarterbacks in the last, I don't know, 30 years of their existence is just, it's just mind blowing to me. I don't think people like really think about the consistency, consistency that they've had that position for so long. You, you never see that. You never see that anywhere else. How about this? The Steelers have – how about this? Only three guys have coached the Steelers in, what, the last 50-some-odd years, and two of them are in the Hall of Fame. And I was thinking the same thing. When you think of that, it goes to the – you know, what you don't see is the coaching in Pittsburgh where they've had, you know, two coaches like my entire life. I don't know how old you are. But I'm in my mid-30s. 20, um, 28. Okay, yeah, I got some years on you, but I feel like I've only seen two court, two coaches in, in Pittsburgh my entire life. You might have seen a. You might have seen the last year or two of Chuck Noll. Yeah, I was born in the early '80s, so probably. So where do you see? So um, where do you see Kyle Pitts now as a tight end? Could he be a top? I don't know. Am I crazy for saying this? Could he be a top five tight end? Am I going to? Off the deep end a little bit. No, I think you have a lot of people on your side if you said that. I think if you put on like Twitter or somewhere and said he's top five, you're going to have a million people saying you're right. Um, I'm, I'm, I, 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 it's close for me. Forgetting that he's a, a rookie, just the opportunity that he has, I, I think five or six is very safe. Uh, obviously, you have Kittle, Waller, and, and Kelsey as your top three. I'm really excited. I'm kind of big on Hawkinson this year. Ooh. As like maybe maybe my four. I haven't finished all my rankings yet, but right now he yeah. looks like he's up there. Just because Jared Goff has used his tight ends before, and who who else is freaking there in Detroit? Uh, so Swift. Well, he's fantastic too. I'm big on him this year too. Uh, but Gesicki, I'm a fan of. I'm, I'm a Penn State fan, so I'm kind of like I'm also a Jets fan, so I'm anti Dolphins. But I do have like a soft spot in my heart for Gesicki, and I do think he's going to have a big year. But outside of those guys, for me, I think Pitts is at least at the five or six. I think that I don't think there's anyone else that has the opportunity to to be up there like he does. Yeah, and uh, I think I think Kyle Pitts has got a chance in a 17 game season. I think Kyle Pitts could be the first rookie tight end with thousand receiving yards. Yeah, and if he, if he put up double digit touchdowns, I wouldn't be surprised either. He's got like an eight foot plus wingspan. I, I mean, think it was. He's six six two forty five and runs four four. I mean, yeah. I don't think Travis Kelsey runs that fast. No, no. And you've seen tight ends in Atlanta. Um, Hooper a couple of years ago put up a big season. Yeah, um, they like to use the tight ends down in the red zone, and in because Julio couldn't score in the red zone. But let's be let's be real. Julio never. He was never a touchdown guy. So I think when you get inside the twenty, whenever Atlanta can get that far. Um, which, which should be pretty often. Um, Pitts is going to put up a lot of touchdowns, I think. I'm not surprised. Double digits for him. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens in uh, Atlanta and Nashville this year. And uh, speaking of happening, I see you're wearing an Islander shirt, so you must be watching that the game at the TV Garden tonight. Yeah, the, the game is on in the background. Uh, they got a 5-3 lead now with 11 minutes left. So I must have missed a couple goals. We started it was four two, so I missed two goals, but at least we scored one of them. Brock Nelson scored one for the Islanders, and David Pasternak scored one for the Bruins. 
the Apostle scored again. Yeah, I was like, I was at game four on Saturday night. That's why my voice is a little bit weird. Uh, and Pasternak missed that wide open net that game. Uh, it was insane. So I'm like, maybe that'll hurt him. But my friend and I were talking about it, and we're like, I hope it doesn't motivate him. And it looks like it motivated him because he's put two in tonight on us. So um, really hoping they can pull out this this win tonight, go up three to two, go back to the old barn on Wednesday, and, and finish the D like they did with Pittsburgh, and go to round three again, back to back years. I, I mean, it's been a long. It's been a long uh, lifetime of being an Islander fan and, and having some terrible seasons. So uh, I'm really excited that they've been this far again. But the games have been fun. But, yeah, I represent my Islanders. Uh, let's let's finish the, the, some business tonight and then Wednesday. Yeah, these, yeah, the Islanders Bruins series has been a throwback to the 80s. I mean, it's like it's like both teams come to hit. Yeah, the Islanders have been hitting everybody for, for a few years. You made Matt Martin and Clutterbuck. They put out that fourth line and they, I mean, be, be honest, be honest. I may I'm a Bolts fan. That's what the Casey Sezikis, Carl Clutterbuck, and Matt Martin line's one of my favorite ones to watch. I love it. I feel like Casey is like so tiny. And like it's like the Mighty Duck with the Bash brothers, man, when they had like, you know, they had Fulton Reed and uh <laughs> oh man, what the heck's that guy's name? Um, but yeah, he's like this little dude Dean out Portman. there. Dean Portman. Yes, Dean Portman. Yeah, Dean Portman. Yes, thank you. Uh, Casey's out here like trying to make plays, but like Clutterbuck and Martin are like just pitting guys up against the boards. You know, it, it's so much fun to watch. They're, they're, it's definitely fun. And trying to take on the old, the whole Iceland team by themselves. Yeah. It's not these guys would do it. In this case, it's the Boston Bruins. Yeah, these guys would do it, man. They don't, take it. They don't care. So. Yeah, this team's fun to watch, uh, especially when they play well. It gets kind of frustrating when they when they when they're not doing so hot. But yeah, I, I love it. So, what would it be for the Islanders to potentially hold on tonight and win one Wednesday night, knowing you'll have a couple more games at Nassau Coliseum before playing at Belmont Park next year? I mean, Nassau Coliseum. Feels like an NHL rink. I mean, the Barclays Center felt more like a basketball rink. It looked it looked too big for hockey. That place was built for like concerts, basketball. Um, I'm so glad I got to go back to the Coliseum at least one more time. Um, and it could have been the last game there if they would have lost and lost tonight. That would have been it. Uh, as a, as a kid, I spent many many nights at on the games. I've been to like the circus there. Harlem Globetrotters. I, I've been to like a million things at the Nassau Coliseum. So um, as long as we can keep this this going, that, that'd be great to see more games at the Coliseum. I never want to see it. I, I mean, they left. It was kind of sad to begin with. But at least Belmont for me will be a closer drive. It took me four hours to get to the, to the Coliseum on Saturday afternoon. Um, so that's the only plus side for me is less traffic. But um, I, I hope they can go on one more round at least hopefully two rounds and maybe I can get a shot at going to one more game. Like that would be, that would be insane. But if not, I w- I'm, I'm, I was, I'm, it was an honor to go one more time and got to see that place rock for my last time. Can you get tickets for game six on, in a couple, on, in a couple of nights? It's funny. My, I got these tickets uh, for free. My, uh, one of my best friend's dad has a, a contact with work and stuff and, uh, just happened to say, hey, can you get tickets for this game? And, you know, we don't want to abuse that privilege. You know what I mean? And we joked about it. All right, all right we'll see you guys on Wednesday, you know. 
Um, but I don't think that'll happen. Uh, we're kind of hoping if they go another round, maybe we could try one more time. But uh, you never know. You never know. I might even pay for my own tickets if I have to. I don't mind. Uh, yeah. For that, it's worth it. I was just thinking, like, is there like a COVID protocol where you can't like attend back-to-back games in New York, or is that gone by the wayside? Now? Wait, I, I I haven't heard that, so I I don't know. Because I heard when like the Bills hosted fans for the for both playoff games that fan that Bills fans cannot attend both games. They can only attend either the wild card round or the division round. Oh wow. Yeah, you know, I didn't even know that. Um, I don't – in this case, I don't know how they would track that. I mean, you have to bring your vaccination card or a negative test to the Coliseum to get in. Um, but they don't, like – you know, they don't have your – they don't keep it on file. So, I don't think it's the way they can they, – they know. Yeah, so uh, hopefully – so uh, Hopefully the Islanders can hold on, and uh, I can't wait to hear that bone shake on Wednesday night because I already hear that. I already hear that bone shaking. Yeah, it's such a great feeling being there, but even watching it on TV, it makes you feel proud to be an Islander fan when you're watching it, and like you hear the the chanting and the screaming over the announcers, you know, because that that place is shaking, and it is extremely loud for sure. Um, I, I took a video and. I think I did like Snapchat and I sent it to my wife because I got her involved in the playoffs here watching every game with me. Um, so I took a video of it and I haven't, I haven't listened to it on my own, but I was like, you got to hear how loud this place is. After I did it after a goal, after uh, the Mayfield fight, I think I did it on. And it just gets wild. Was that the wild? Were you, was, that, were you at the, uh, was that the Taylor Hall fight? Yes, it was. This first fight in 10 years, I saw it with my own two eyes. <laughs> I was there. I had a buddy um, from the going for two. We were in like a group chat and uh, he was messaging me like he was messaging in the group chat while I was there. And I checked it. He goes, oh, you witnessed the first Hall fight in 10 years. And I'm like, I didn't even know. I don't think Hall has been playing 10 years already. Like this time flies, man. But yeah, it was uh, it was uh, the once in a lifetime chance. It feels like to see that. Yeah, I'm thinking Taylor. Yeah. Taylor Hall fighter. Not. Call Clutterbug, fighter. Right. I mean, the the start of Game Four looked like looked looked better than the uh, boxing matches in Miami last night. Yeah, right. I mean, what was there? Four major penalties in the first ten minutes of the game on on Saturday. Yeah, full fight was... penalties, and they were all legitimate. There were no flukes. No, no, and they 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 dropped gloves and they they, they were old they school crawling. Five minutes in the uh, sin bin. Yeah, no, it was it was cool to see. And yeah, I missed the fights in Miami last night, but uh, I hear they weren't that great. So I'm glad I went to bed and got some rest for before work today, and rather than stay up late to watch those boxing matches. So uh, thank you for hopping on, and uh, hopefully the Islanders can prevail, and uh, maybe we get a rematch last year with the uh, Islanders and Bolton the next round. That'd be interesting. Might uh, even make a friendly wager on it. I'm down, man. I'm down, Dylan. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, we, we can get there first, and then we'll, we'll talk. I don't want to jinx nothing. All right. Good luck. Appreciate it, man. You too.